Hello and welcome to the Challenge Podcast, where we discuss all things public service in Singapore. I'm your host, Douglas O'Loughlin, a consultant in organization transformation and a former public officer. And for this podcast, we'll be speaking to public officers on a wide range of backgrounds. Today on the Challenge Podcast, we have not one, but two guests. Both of them are career coaches in the in-service coaching scheme across the public service. We have Dr. Norris Linda Zuber, who's director of the Human Capital at the Islamic Religious Council of Singapore, or MUIS, and Dr. Moira Lee, who is a lead specialist involved in coaching, mentoring, and teaching at Tomasic Polytechnic. So welcome, Dr. Nora and Dr. Moira. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Glad to be here. Wow. Okay, let's let's explore career coaching and what does it mean to plan our careers. Though it's really a pleasure to be with uh, the two of you. Uh, Why don't we start with uh, kind of just a general idea of what career coaching is all about. So, Dr. Nora, you want to get us going? Yeah, sure, Douglas. Um, That's such a good question. Uh, Basically, a coach is someone who supports and guides another individual in achieving their specific personal or professional goal. And a career coach in particular focuses on the professional aspect of an individual's career and work. Hmm. Okay, that's a good start. And Dr. Mora, you want to add anything to that? Yep. When I think of what a career coach does, my mind immediately goes back to the acronym G-R-O-W, GROW, a very common one in the coaching arena. So for myself, what a coach does, a coach attempts to help the client think of the goal, the goal that the client wants for herself, for himself, to have that goal very clear in mind. The R stands for the realities. What's the current realities? What's the future realities, at least the near future realities? The O stands for the options that are there for the client. Sometimes people say that should also be exploring the obstacles. But let's talk about it more as options. We typically would ask the client to consider the range of options. The W stands for what's the way forward? How do I get to the goal that I have placed before myself? So to me, in a nutshell, that's what a career coach attempts to do. Help the client to grow. Wow, nice. So one is professional growth and development, and you've given it an acronym for us to to consider, GROW, to make a lovely combination here of career (laughs) coaches. So maybe you can each share... uh, how you got into this work in the first place and maybe some idea of the typical kind of uh, folks who, who come to you for career coaching advice? Yeah, Moira, maybe I can start first. Sure, go ahead. Yeah, so um, I actually um, have been in the HR field for a long time and I've always been interested uh, in being able to converse uh, with different individuals to find out a bit more about themselves uh, and uh, and to find out about what is it that they enjoy doing uh, with regards uh, with their lives. And uh, the last two years, um, I decided to embark on a certification journey of coaching because I thought that, you know, having a certain kind of training would be very helpful in my, in my role as a HR person. 
And um, as they said, you know, once I started, um, I find tremendous joy in being able to do uh, coaching, uh, both career coaching as well as developmental coaching. And it's been a blast uh, for the past at least um, two years. And um, I'm very fortunate and blessed to be able to be part of the Public Service uh, Career Coaching Network. And um, the demographics of the officers that come um, to talk to me um, is primarily the slightly younger um, public officers who may have just started um, in their role, perhaps as middle managers, and also those who are kind of like trying to figure things out, you know, in their first part of their career. So, so that's, that's how mm. I've ended up uh, doing coaching so far. Wow, very nice. A nice extension of what you've been doing and who you are. Yeah, correct. And Dr. Moore, about you, how did it happen and uh, who yep. typically comes to you for coaching advice? Okay, what I'm going to say will tell you how young or otherwise <laughs> I am. <laughs> I joined Tomasic Polytechnic um, in 2001, so it's been 20 years and I'm still uh, fully employed at Tamasic Polytechnic as a re-employed staff when I reached 62. My journey there was that I was very involved in academic staff development, what we call internal teacher training. I was the director for 12 years. When I reached 60, I felt that it was time to step down. And I felt that there was a colleague who was more than ready to step into my shoes and do a better job than I ever did in my 12 years. So for myself at that point, it was wonderful that Tamasic Polytechnic had the foresight and the heart to suggest to me to go and get a formal certification in coaching. So that's how the story began. The demographics of the people I have been coaching thus far across the public service have understandably include people who are considering early retirement or what they can do towards the last chapter of their careers. But like Dr. Nora, I also have a wide range. So we have the ones who are very young, the ones who are looking for purpose in their work life. But um, it is therefore across the whole span of ages. You've kind of both touched on this a little bit, but uh, can you share a little bit more about the typical issues that people come to you um, and ask for this for their career advice? Okay, I'll start off on this one. Um, as I reflect on actual cases, the most common issue that I have faced, let's say in the past year, has been one of the client saying, I feel stagnant mm. in my workplace. I feel that I have reached a plateau. I am wondering how I can be further developed. So basically the word stagnation comes to their minds. Right. How do I respond to that? I have come up with three R's in responding to them. The first thing I say to them before the three R's is please take time to pause and reflect. Happens to be an hour there, reflect. But to reflect, reflect on what? I ask them to reflect one on their own sense of responsibility. How are they really contributing? to their particular organization because there may be opportunities that are not yet revealed, but take your current responsibilities well and more will be given to you. The second hour, I try to remind 
um, anyone who feels stagnant is cultivate a sense of resilience. Patience, recognizing that your leaders may need time to give you the right assignment. Recognizing that you may need time to be able to identify right assignments for yourself. So that sense of resilience. And finally, I tell them, let's be realistic. And that's the third and the final R. Being realistic, meaning to say, I can't every day feel on top of the world at work. I cannot every day expect there to be exciting projects. But to understand that there will be times when it is ordinary, but ordinary is also fine. So to be realistic about their expectations. That's how I try to handle this feeling of I feel stagnant, I feel I need something more with the three hours. So we can be hopeful about having that right job or the ikigai factor or whatever, but it's also good to be responsible and resilient and realistic about all of that. Sounds good. And Dr. Nora, you, what kind of issues and what kind of uh, sharing do you do with people that come to you? Yeah, thanks, thanks, uh, Moira, for sharing the three R. Um, I myself, you know, was like, okay, I would need to remember that um, the three R's. That's a very useful uh, framework uh, to kind of like remember. Um, I think for me, um, the um, clients that um, have come uh, my way, um, one of the main questions that they ask is about, okay, how do they remain motivated in what they are doing? Um, slightly different from stagnation, this is really about motivation. And, and because the demographics tend to be slightly younger, um, they do know that you know, it's important for them to be able to like, uh, be productive you know, and be able to do their job well. Um, and, and when I got that kind of questions, um, the first thing I always ask them is, what keeps you going? Because from that very simple question, what keeps you going? They will pause and they will start to kind of like reflect a bit more about what are the little things that they are doing today that makes them feel enjoyment and gets the fulfillment. And often, uh, I think for me, my own experience is that when um, I ask those kind of very simple questions, um, they really get a chance to kind of like just articulate whatever that is in their mind, in their hearts. And then from there on, we kind of like narrow it down to what exactly it is that they are facing today that is making them feel demotivated. And sometimes it's something as simple as maybe they're not sure about what is it that they're doing, uh, the contributions that they're making um, to their mm -hmm. job. And, and from there on, then they will start to realize that, oh, they could actually have the, um, the, the chance to speak to their supervisors, to ask the supervisors that, look, I don't understand what is it I'm doing this? Why, why am I doing this? Um, how does this add value to that larger vision or, or purpose of the organization or the, or the teams? Um, so, mm -hmm. so that's one of the questions that I do get mm -hmm. uh, quite often. Hmm. It's nice. Uh, actually, this is something all of us can do uh, on a daily yeah. basis, uh, check in with what, what brings us joy, so yeah. to speak, and what we enjoy and what we don't, and, and really pay attention. It yeah. sounds like a way to build self-awareness for the career uh, yeah. development. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. That's, that's very true. I mean, even for myself, you know, um, it's not every day that you wake up raring mm. to go to work, right? But it's about what keeps me going. And, and I'm very clear that what keeps me going is that um, ability and the opportunity to really interact with people because that's my passion. I, I, I love interacting with people. I love wanting to kind of like see how else I can help them, grow them, develop them. And if they have problems, we can, in, in a work context, and if I'm the supervisor, let's see what we can do yeah. to resolve whatever challenges that you're facing. Nice, and I've seen you do that. Thank you, good. thank you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> One of the things which uh, is triggered in my mind from hearing Dr. Nora is that I noticed that 
a good number of people struggle with this issue of perhaps I am not good enough. That sense of, you know, why am I not promoted? Mm. And one of the mm. things that I wish all of us and our listeners would be mindful of is if you're going to wait solely on external affirmation, mm. you might be disappointed. And what I say then to my clients is find that sense of resilience, find that sense of inner security. If you know that you have tried your very best, if you know that you know you have given all that you can, then I would say find that significance in who you are as a person, not just by whether you get that pay rise or not. In that sense there, I am not advocating mediocrity. I would like us to all have excellence, but I am saying let's be realistic and let's find really that inner sense of security. I'm using that word several times just yeah. to add that little bit that struck me. And speaking of advice, uh, you know, what, what kind of things do you, would you recommend that people do like on a regular basis to kind of think about their career and either one of you have some, some career hacks? Uh, maybe I can start first. Um, for me, it's always about having that clarity um, it's not easy. It's, it's very simple to say to have clarity, right? But what does clarity means? So I will always break it down into your immediate, your midterm and your long term. Because um, when you break it down into these three buckets, you more or less will be able to, to kind of like figure things out in a slightly smaller scale. So immediate today, what is it that you need to do, you want to do, and what you can do, and then the midterm, and then the, the long term. Right. Yeah. So so that's that's one of the career hacks, um, so to speak, um, that I think is very, very um, important and very useful. And what I do with my client is I usually get them to visualize and draw. So just have a blank oh. sheet of like mm. A4 size paper. Um, draw where they are at today. So maybe at the one corner of the blank paper and then uh, draw the vision or where they want to be uh, at the other corner. And then from there, you can kind of like map up your journey. What is it that you need to do? Do you need to get new skills? Do you need to get, I don't know, new qualifications? Or do you need to speak to your boss to figure things out in terms of your next posting, your next movement? And when you have that visualized, you can then really map out what is it that you want to do and you need to do to achieve that vision or that goal of yours. Wow. That's great, Nora. I think Nora has given to us a very methodical way of planning um, one's careers. One of the very clear and often repeated, um, I would say, career advice tips that I give to my colleagues is this. Attitude. Attitude is as important as aptitude. Oftentimes in an interview, and I'm thinking of one particular situation, in an interview, the person is impressive with regards to his experience, his credentials. So we get the person in. Within two weeks, the attitude of minimal work effort, the attitude of I know better than even one of the long-standing leaders, I, I found that all to be very mm. disappointing. In contrast, you have somebody who may not be your A worker, A performer, but the attitude is one of humility. One of, I would like to learn more. One of, I'm sorry I made the mistake. 
one of, I'd like to do better. That person can go far. So if you asked me for one of the many career tips that I can think of, the one that stands out to me is attitude. Is perhaps as important or more important than aptitude. In the meantime, some people might be in work situations now, some of our listeners, for example, um, where the work environment is not ideal. Maybe they got off to a bad start or they don't feel they're getting on with their, their bosses or uh, the work is not, they don't feel like they can handle the work. Difficult circumstance in, in some form. So what advice would you have for people um, and to how to manage that situation? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, a very real situation, yes. that what you have described. And I guess in a simple way, I would say firstly to the person, you might want to consider your perception of the difficult situation because it's possible that we kind of over-exaggerate how difficult it really is. It's possible that we don't have all the pieces of the puzzle. So I would say to the person firstly, What makes you feel that that environment is so difficult? How might it be possible for you to be the solution to the difficult situation that is at hand? But at the same time, we have to recognize, and there are times when I have clients who are feeling so burnt out, are feeling so, so how shall I wait, how shall I say it, so, you know, petrified almost, at the thought of going to work as bad as that, then I would say to the person, plan. Plan what you can do to possibly turn the situation around. Plan at the same time, if an exit is necessary, how would that be done? What are your options? So I would say the two Ps there would be perspective of the difficult Mm. circumstance and planning as to what you could do to either see a change that could come about in the circumstance, in yourself, or plan for an exit, but doing it in the right manner so that there is no impulsive, hasty decision just to walk out would not be the best scenario. Nora, any thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks, thanks, uh, Moira, for that. Um, As you were speaking, right, uh, what came to my mind um, was this um, often, um, the client may be so immersed in the current mm. challenge that he or she is facing, right? That yep. maybe to the client, um, it's really a, a, a situation that has no hope. Um, and, and for me, because um, as a coach, um, I see myself as being that vessel for them to kind of like just offload um, mm. the, the challenges, the problems that they feel. And so... Uh, in, in such a situation, um, I w- you really give them the chance to just articulate and, and talk it mm. out and, and just share with me. And uh, at the appropriate moment, just like you, um, I would then be asking questions about, okay, hold on. Um, so are you the player here or are you the vi- are you playing victim here or are you playing, you know, what kind of role you're playing here? Uh, is to really get them to kind of like pause and reflect and to see whether the situation is really as hopeless and as bad as what they have been mm. having, you know, in their thoughts, mm. etc. 
and and after a while you know after, when they have articulated all that they need to kind of like say out because often they don't have someone that they can speak to and because they do not know me you know um mm. so it's a very safe space so they can see all sorts of things and they know that you know um it's is confidential and and so on and and after they've done all that i will also do the same as what moira has done which is to ask them to reframe to have a, another perspective mm. whether and to see whether or not this is something that they can do whether they can do something about it uh, instead of let's say playing victim and often mm. um they would come to the realization that looked they may need to speak to their direct supervisors for instance because if indeed this is something that is really bothering them and it's affecting them and like what Morris said the person doesn't want to go to work doesn't even want to get ready and dress to go to work and yet the person needs the job right so there needs to be some solution or action that needs to be taken right. so that's something that i've come across at least once or twice mm. um it's painful uh, frankly uh, because they could be in such a uh, a, a terrible place because they feel so mm. lost and they also feel that they are so victimized yeah Yeah. Right. I I guess if I may just add on here, I think for us as coaches, one of the qualities that is important is empathy. And yes, as Dr. Nora has said, I think we want to give a listening ear to our clients. That's necessary. That's only right. But at the same time, I'm also very conscious that as a coach, um, ours is ready to raise the questions that will cause them to. pause and think. Yeah. So we've been often reminded in how even in our coaching yeah. courses not to be afraid of silence. Because yeah. people need time a little while to just ponder and think. So actually when I start my session, the first session with each client, typically I would ask them what's their understanding of coaching? Mm. And sometimes they say, "Oh, the coach gives me all the right answers." Mm. Then I say, "That's not <laughs> That's me. Yeah. I can't do that." <laughs> yeah. And then I tell them, and not I tell them, but I get them to a point of recognizing that my role as a coach is to ask the difficult questions to mm. cause them to think. So we ask questions typically of what makes you what makes you feel the way you do. How is it? that the situation has become what it is right. we tend to ask the how and the what questions so yes empathy but at the same time challenging them to think more deeply so i guess it's a skill to know when to uh, give somebody a hug and when to give them a nudge or when to give yeah. them both at the same time i don't know yeah. 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 so so that silence um and and in our in even in my own training as well um silence is a space where we just need to hold Mm. And when we go silent, um, I have seen occasions where my clients actually cried. Mm. Uh, it's difficult for me because I'm like, okay, uh, the client is crying. So, but it's still the the silence that I hold, because that's when you know that the client is deeply processing. Mm. And 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 honestly, um, I always believe that uh, coaching, be it career coaching or developmental coaching, is really that safe space of. the person having with us as the coach and it it's a space that um we honor mm. um the client's uh thoughts thinking mm. feeling emotions nice right at the beginning you asked us what we do as career coaches and i use the acronym grow but another two words often come to my mind on this matter is we're there to provide challenge right. and support i like the two words yeah. challenge 
and support. I think one without the other would not be appropriate. Yeah, well done. You all do a lot. And I think because we started on this particular question, if, if uh, people were in a difficult work situation, and uh, Dr. Moore, you mentioned about maybe people really are challenging themselves to even go to work, whether it's home or, or not. If you're in that situation out there, if you're a listener, uh, please get some help. Talk to some people uh, uh, and, and reframe things perhaps, uh, but definitely get some support. Um, in these times, it's, it's really important to do that. So as we start to wrap up this very enlightening session, we hope that everyone's gotten some reminders or ideas here. Um, would either of you uh, like to share a little bit of like your closing thoughts for everyone? Okay, uh, maybe I can start off first. Um, there's something that I always tell my clients, uh, which is you are the person in charge of your own career and no one cares more about your career than yourself. So in so much as you want uh, your employers, you know, um, your bosses to help you in uh, your career journey, uh, you must take ownership. Mm. And if, if you think that there's something not quite right, um, pause, reflect, figure that out, and then plan out your next steps. I really like the word ownership. Since we haven't used that word yet in this time together, I think we do really need to take ownership. So for me, in line with ownership, I think my final wrap-up word would be, it's not just how well you begin, it's also how well you end. And somebody just recently reminded me, in between, it's also the journey that we all take. Just briefly on that, we want to begin well in any new job that we go into. But think of the end. When I joined Tomasic Polytechnic, the end never seemed to be so immediate. But 20 years have gone by. And the end has come for me in terms of um, official retirement age. But my own concern has always been, how will I end? How will I end the journey? And yeah. it's for all of us, therefore, to give our very best, find that sense of confidence that we can be what we set out to be and to have a good, a good number of colleagues who will stand with us so that together we can make our workplace a lot more meaningful, a lot more purposeful. So yes, start well, end well, journey well. Wow, very nice. Words of wisdom to finish. Uh, thank the two of you so much. And in case you didn't catch us in the beginning, uh, it is sort of fitting that we have a Dr. Noura and a Dr. Moira. Um, and uh, a lot of rhyming uh, <laughs> messages here today. And I, I, for everyone out there, I guess what we hope for you is that you find a career and a job that brings you the kind of fulfillment that the three of us uh, have found and that you get to contribute to people. Uh, and in the meantime, if you haven't found it, uh, be resilient, be realistic, and do your best. And we hope you found the session useful. Okay, thanks again, uh, Dr. Nora, Dr. Mora. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, Doug. If you would like to receive updates on public service career coaching services for public officers, you can go to the link in the description box for this episode. And we wish you all the best for an enriching career. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I'm your host, Douglas O'Loughlin. 
Follow us for new episodes and visit psd.gov.sg challenge for more public service stories.